0: Welcome to the June 22nd edition of the PFF Forecast. Uh, George and Eric, and Eric has an apology to make. It's going to be incredible. We're also going to do a thing we like about the NFC teams. We're going to start with the NFC North and the NFC South. Getting positive over here. We're going to mourn the fact that the greatest tight end of all time uh, has retired. And um, we're going to uh, talk about a bet that that we like as well. So um, apologies coming up next. Let's rock. I remember the last time that you apologized, I think, to um on the podcast and it was one of the all-time funniest moments of my uh, time on the podcast which is when you without sarcasm s- said I have to apologize to Chiefs Kingdom. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was cuz I blacked out at that point. What were
1: you apologizing? You were for? you were blacked out. I
0: yeah, well, you was, were literally blacked out. Yeah. That
1: was the yeah. That was after the Super Bowl, right? And you just got lost killed to Tampa. Yeah. I think I got out of my seat and rearranged so that the Bucks helmet was above the Chiefs helmet uh, because they had been dethroned. Um, yeah, I mean, whew. and now and now Tyree kills says Tua is uh, more accurate than, than Mahomes. You know, like the, the how the mighty have fallen. Uh, but yeah, I have to apologize. On last show, I, I thought I made it clear that I was like sparring. I was, I was, I was a man of the people on Sunday. And I was I was a keyboard warrior sparring on BetOnline.ag um, with uh, uh, Michelle was her name uh, on customer service. Michelle, uh, I, I'm not going to post the transcript because while Michelle told me I was not getting paid, I did DM BetOnline.ag on Twitter and said, "What the hell is this?" I'm tweeting this out, and I did get paid out. But the two, t- but I was on the keyboard like basically saying wait a sec, you made an error and you you get to cancel it. And I go, and I, 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 I texted them back and I said, I want all my bets canceled and I want my money back. And I'm pulling out, they say, sir, all bets are final. I'm like, for who? And they were, you know, so the, it was a pretty interesting exchange. I actually laughed. I actually sent it to you via an email. To see it's, if you uh, like it's, it's a
0: bummer that you're not releasing it because it is pretty funny. And I can tell that you put in a lot of effort. I, I'm just disappointed that you couldn't have waited till the podcast was over. I mean, what was Michelle going anywhere? W- was was uh, you couldn't well, hold have on? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Friday, uh, the S- Saturday syndicate?
1: was what? Saturday we put our pot. We we recorded at eleven Eastern AM because we had to get on with our Father's Day. That's true. Uh, you know, so that it was a jam. You had day. a lunch.
0: You did have a big Father's Day lunch coming up, so I understand mm-hmm. that we that we had it.
1: Yeah. So so that was um but you got
0: but you got the money back that's the the point of this whole thing is that you were victorious and it should be noted that what actually got it done was not your politely going through the customer service route but was uh using your twitter clout which is is just a shame the regular people like us you know can't uh no, can, I I'll offer this up interest.
1: because actually uh, a couple of friends of mine, uh John and Scott, um who have been following uh who who took I think like $1,000 and put it in my bookie and then just bet unders uh that PFF Greenline liked in college football last year mm-hmm. ran the thing up to like 10 grand because you know PFF Greenline did wonderful last year but they just took a subset of that and they um they were like but, uh, my bookie uh, was giving them a hell of a time trying to get the money out. And, and you know, they even set up crypto and all this stuff. And that was the thing where I, you know, they they went, I, they went were going to go to social media and like I offered, I was like, look, I will like tweet this out and like get, get the, because the, the thing that these people don't want is they don't want people like me, like shining a light on some of this sketchy behavior, but the sketchy behavior happens. So if you are a member of the syndicate, um, and you need help, and, and you are getting, and you are getting, uh, you know, the runaround by one of these sports books, come at me, come at George. I will, I, I will, I will give them the opportunity to, to, to pay you out before they get exposed much like they did with me. And, and if they don't, we will, we will make the thing happen. Um, because the thing is like, we talked about this last week, you know, and I think that the true professional sports bettors, like we make money betting, but we're not, we, we were not professionals. Uh, the true professional sports bettors, the Spankies and the Rob bazolas and, and those guys will tell you the winning is trivial. It's actually like getting money in and getting money out. That's the hardest part of sports betting for folks. And so they, they've dealt with it for a long time. And if you win, right, you will, you will deal with your know, stuff from, from bookmakers, especially, um, you know, either in the legal space, uh, they'll just limit you or in the illegal space, they might not even pay you out, you know? And, and so, um, if you are laying minus 110 and the bookie is getting plus 110 and they are still trying to screw you over, um, you know, that that needs to be dealt with.
0: The winning is trivial sounds like um, the slogan for crypto right now,
1: dude. By the way, can we talk? Pause for a sec. Like, so Trevor Lawrence has lost. I, I don't think that that report is completely true. I don't think he got his entire salary or his entire. Wait,
0: what's this report? I didn't see anything.
1: So, so somebody, uh, tweeted out let me look at it. i i said the only one running good on this is the 30 for 30 creators because this is going to be a great documentary in like 10 years oh no are we uh, going to
0: have to sell our trevor lawrence stock now
1: so so betonline.ag the aforementioned tweeted mm. out look at how much trevor lawrence lost in crypto and it says this is from coin journal through david feronas um uh, i don't even want to pronounce the MLS guy's name if you if you chani achera um signed a a bitcoin contract estimated 30 million it current value is 11.1 million trevor lawrence who signed his contract supposedly in bitcoin ethereum and solana which again i think people the people are saying that this is not necessarily his whole contract so take that with Mm -hmm. a grain of salt they're saying maybe it was like a signing bonus he got or whatever but like reportedly the amount was 24 million and it's now worth 9 million so like he he might need to perform just to like have life changing money again. Um, Russell, O'Kung, I can't
0: imagine. There's no way that, Ru- that someone let him do his whole contract. And, Russell
1: you know. Okung signed his last contract for six point five million, is now mm-hmm. worth $2.5 two point five million. Um, Odell signed um, a Bitcoin deal for seven hundred fifty thousand uh, in January twenty twenty. It's now four hundred thirty four thousand. Wasn't it, but those are all portions right okay. I, I i'm hoping like i'm hoping yeah. that that trevor lawrence didn't lose 15 mil on crypto yeah that's what i'm hoping and I also think i'll that, still
0: take i'll still take 9 million in crypto right now
1: i i don't yeah i mean call me
0: bullish call me bullish i mean well, it's not d- quite amazon but stock but you know i'll take it
1: don't you think i mean yeah the americans appetite, like and and we we have a sports betting podcast so we're we're sort of in this realm as well but like the american appetite for outsmarting the market will never go away right so no. something like so something like crypto it, it you know it might it might go away but it's going to be replaced by something else it's going to bubble up and you know jonathan bales can write a blog about uh, you know so i i think that uh you know that that's certainly a um you know i don't know if it is going to be crypto again but it could be something else for sure will be something that, that, that's a lock that something else is going to take are you place.
0: decreeing that crypto's dead right now on this podcast uh, I'm
1: not saying it's dead I'm saying yeah
0: I don't think it is either
1: I don't think that but I don't think that it's a lock that that Bitcoin BTC is going to go up again
0: I don't think it's a lock I yeah and I, this is not financial advice but yeah I mean you buy the dip and then you buy the dip again and then you yeah. keep buying and you never sell identifying what the
1: dip identifying what the dip is 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 probably you know why you know the um
0: yeah well that's what most people can't do and having liquidity when it does dip is a whole another ball game right so yeah it's a challenge i i definitely am not over here to to say that it's dead um by any stretch of the imagination um wow we got off track uh retired um I, I my initial question is not actually the like is Gronk the greatest tight end of all time? I don't really think there's a debate there to be perfectly honest. I'm I'm curious if you think that, but I'm also I'm more curious if you what the odds you would lay on him coming back are.
1: Uh, he's already done this. He's already done this. This right. has
0: already happened. He did... And I have a hypothesis here, but I want to hear your take.
1: Yeah, I just think he doesn't want to be in I think he doesn't want to play um, training camp. This
0: is exactly he oh, doesn't yeah. want to play training camp or the first ten weeks of the season, and I can't really blame him for that. And I think that's smart.
1: Yeah, right. I I would say, I would say if you offer me odds that he plays this season, I if you wanted me to make a price that he plays this season, I think it's more expensive than minus one ten. Really? Yeah.
0: I don't know that I'd go that far um and here's why. So this is, you you hit the nail on the head with what I was thinking too but if the Bucs, what's what would increase the chances that he plays again? The bucks not getting off to as great of a start and particularly having no tight ends that helped out or the Bucs being like 12 and 0 which one is more likely that he comes back? Is he coming back as a savior or is he coming back to like ride into another Super Bowl?
1: Travis Kelsey getting hurt, really? No, i I like the Bucks okay. have 10.4 million in cap space. That is the thing, right? So I think he just wants to win another Super Bowl. That is it, and like. At this point there at this point, A, like there's a couple of factors as to why Gronk isn't isn't going into training camp right now. Tight ends are not that well paid, right? Like Gronk's the best player in the history of the league in that position, other than maybe like I mean, there's you, you could make a case for Kelsey, Winslow, uh uh Gonzalez, guys like that. But but Gronk's the best. I think Gronk Gronk's peak is better than anybody's. Mm-hmm. And he's still no not, fan, maybe. Uh well, Albert Abuakuam. <laughs> Um my pronunciations thereof, uh the goat. Um the but Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Um the the problem is is like, well, really good tight ends are not paid that much, right? And and Hall of Fame over the hill, I'm not saying Gronk's over the hill, but you know what I'm saying. Like guys who are not at their peak are like the financial incentive for Gronk to play is just not there, right? No one with the money to make it worth his while is gonna pay him right now, right? And that includes Tampa with 10.4 million uh, of cap space. Yeah. So, you know, if Tampa gets through the season and they don't have to make any like really big move to cut into that money, and there's like maybe four million left for Gronk, uh, you know, think you know, I don't I'm, the financials or whatever, but like let's say three or four million left for Gronk to come in around Thanksgiving, and that team's in contention for the one seed in the NFC. Sure, um, if Kansas City loses Travis Kelsey. Sure. If Buffalo loses Dawson Knox, sure. Like I think it's I think it's one of those where he comes and plays for a team that is contending for a Super Bowl. Like I I, I think that's his only motivation. But in the so same do way- you think?
0: Do you yeah. think that the ship has sailed on me getting Gronk to do a alternate broadcast bet bet betcast with us for oh, like Thursday night? I think and he'll Sunday do night? it. I think he'll do it because that. That was my, I had that leading in the clubhouse for what he was going to do next. I feel like that's a, um, I'm only partially kidding. What I do think, what I will say is this. I have no inside information here, um, but if I am NBC, I'm going and offering Gronk to do um, a Manning cast on Sunday Night Football, and I'm offering him a lot more than he get paid to play tight end. And by the way, I'm giving him an option to like, if he wants to go play In the games and like halfway through the season, like that's cool, you know. Like, um, I would be, I would, that's what I would be doing if I were a broadcast network. I'm guessing he's getting those calls. Um, You know, I'm assuming Fox is the one that would be leading in the clubhouse because he actually worked for Fox the last time he retired, and Tom Brady is supposedly going to go be an analyst there later. But um, you know, money talks, and I would be. I'd be paying whatever it takes because, like, if you had Gronk on there, and I'm trying to think about who you would get to do it with him, but you could legitimately just have Gronk and friends, and it would be freaking hilarious. Um, I'm trying to think of like who the other person that I would want to see with Gronk would be. I got to be honest, like, I wouldn't mind Gronk and Shaq together. I don't know if that's a possibility. We're getting very off topic, but, um, anyways. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) The sports betting media, I like. I think. I think he'd be fun to have on. Um, I think Sherman's a good one, right? Because Sherman is a very, Sherman's a very, uh, I would say, like cerebral player and analyst. And Gronk, but he's not like I'm not gonna talk talk mess about our old colleague, but like Richard isn't exactly the most like energetic person in the world, the media member. Whereas Gronk would just like Gronk would get the thing fired up, but he's not. I don't think he's nearly as like insightful. So, you know, that would be a well, good Well, I would say,
0: yeah, I would say that differently. Like, their energy is different. Like, yeah. Richard Sherman is just intensity, right? Personified, like, and someone is, like, breaking through the walls in my apartment. Um, they're both energetic, but for very different reasons. Like, Gronk is, um, is like, goofy energetic. And I would not describe Richard Sherman as goofy. I would describe him as, like, a killer. <laughs> like, that dude is just, like, intensity uh, personified and like it shows up on the field and shows up um on on camera gronk interestingly has like the on-field thing where it's like i'm gonna go out and do whatever it takes to win but then off the field like the you know a, a switch is flipped and he um turns into a complete goofball before we get to our positive things i'm going to give you like 30 60 seconds there is a team that last year you buried Completely buried. The Washington Commanders had no chance. And this year, this is the year. So I want you to give your Washington Commanders bet.
1: By the way, the the this hearing that's happening currently about Daniel Snyder, where you even have like some kind of racist in the uh, in the in the Congress calling them their former name and stuff like that, just to be like, I this has gone off the rails. By the way, I, I hope Snyder is going to be. Um, Snyder's going to be deposed. I think next, or, you know, he he's going to... Yeah, there, there's a ton of... There's a mess there. But, like, I look at this team, and I think we're looking at this mess with Snyder. We're looking at Del Rio being, you know, God knows what. And I think we're underestimating this team this year. Win total, 7.5. Um, I took 8.5 at FanDuel at plus 145. That has an edge, too. I wrote about that in the piece. Um, good offensive line. Scott Turner, like, and... Look, I, I, I've interacted with him before, a smart guy. He clearly like listens to the football intelligentsia. Big play action rates, great perfectly blocked run rates, great motion rates. Like He was trying last year, and your boy, Antonio Gibson, could not break a tackle to save his life. And Taylor Heineke, who we all like, was terrible. And so you come in this year, you get Jahan Dawson. You get, your offensive line is still pretty good. Charles Leno was one of the best signings in the league last year. You get Wentz, who like Carson Wentz isn't good, but he's way better than Taylor Heineke. You have a defense that has four first-round picks up front. Such a bold claim, and I, I think this team is, and and they have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. Uh, this team's going to get to eight wins, I, and so I would bet that um, fairly easily. Like I said, I think you know there's a lot of shit going on. Part of the, you know, in, in Washington that is gonna keep them from ever really competing, right? But I think this team is gonna be competent and competitive. And so uh, this time of year, you're not gonna get too many like really good overs to bet, right, like Mm -hmm. uh, people will say, oh, four and a half wins for the Falcons, five and a half wins for the Jets, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, those are bad. Um, Take Washington here. I think they'll be, I think they'll be okay.
0: I appreciate that you've come around To the Washington Commanders, the Carson Wentz thing being better than Taylor Heineke is a real big stray for Taylor Heineke to catch.
1: Did you know, like, so? And I know we don't do, we don't, we don't, um, um, we don't uh, pedal in these numbers. But Carson Wentz last year had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Like the the production, he had 22 big time throws and 18 turnover worthy plays. Like. If you re like, here's a question for you: If you reorder his games last year, like let's say you take the Jacksonville game, you put it in, like week eight, right? Like you reorder their games,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's still on the Colts, is he not? Hmm. Like it was one of those like you know one of his feet was Dep- on I a mean, hot hot bed of coals and one of so, his feet was on but, ice and so on average it was good like that. The problem is the ice came at the end and the the coals came somewhere in between. But like,
0: yeah. I, I don't disagree with you the problem i think would be that when the chips are down mm-hmm. it didn't show up so if it if you reorder those games but you reorder them in a way that the streakiness of it you know so that like really poor ending if that happens at the start i'm not sure he makes it to the ending i, I guess would be my take right it's like yeah you know I don't know, though. But um, but
1: with respect to this team, though, I don't like my their win total is low enough where like we're never like it doesn't matter how he performs in nut cut in time because like that's not that's not what I'm betting on. I'm betting on yeah, that they get into this. So like you look at their schedule just briefly home to Jaguars, which the NFL putting the Jaguars on Wentz's first game at the commanders is actually low key funny troll Um, at Detroit. I know that's a loss, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um it, home to Eagles at Cowboys, Titans, and then you have Bears, you have Texans, you have Falcons, you have Giants twice. Actually, they play the Giants two times in a row, uh, in between a bye. Then you get at 49ers, and look, that 49ers team is either gonna be four and nine or nine and four at that time. So who knows? Um, nothing in between for the Niners at that point in time in the season. The Browns who will be starting Jacoby Brissett and you know, so like I it's 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 kind of it, you know like I'm not saying that it's like welcome back it's week 18 the, the Washington Commanders against the Dallas Cowboys Washington trying to make the playoffs for the second time like it's not gonna like I, I, like this is the eight and eight Washington Commanders trying to get nine wins and I've already cashed my ticket you know if I your,
0: your so. Brett Favre impression is better and the good news is we're doing the NFC North so you'll have to do the entire thing in a Brett Favre voice before we get there a brief reminder it is already june 22nd so if you're not thinking about fantasy football you're blowing it and uh if you're thinking about it you should be playing best ball because it is the easiest way and also the most lucrative way to play fantasy football you draft a team you do well in your draft and then you don't have to worry about anything else because the players that score the most points are the ones that actually count every single week and you draft at underdog fantasy you can play in their best ball mania tournament 10 million total dollars in cash prizes a trend zone for the syndicate because i know you guys love trends the winner last year drafted in June. So you have like seven days left. Make it happen. Um, the uh, And I say seven days because I'm guessing some of you are listening to this a little bit later or whatever. Um, use promo code PFF when you make your first deposit. Get up to $100 in deposit matched by underdog when you use that promo code. And if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free subscription. So you deposit, double it, play it free subscription. And that PFF subscription is going to make you even more money because you can go check out all of our great fantasy content, fantasy rankings, and of course, get all of those throughout the season. So you'll be ready to rock in your redraft leagues as well. Okay. We're going to start with the NFC North. And um, I'm going to let you work up to your, your Brett Favre here. We're going to start with Detroit. A positive thing about our Detroit Lions, if you can narrow it down to just one, please.
1: Yeah, um, I'm on. Imagine Brett Favre trying to say I'm on Ra same Brown, like, uh, you know that slot receiver out of USC, I, I'm on Ra same Brown. <laughs> like, you, you can you? So Favre would have been great. I though. think he's I,
0: just punting on the first name.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was like, I, I told Percy to run up the. I told Amon Ra to run the seam like Percy used to. Um, <laughs> That's
0: pretty good.
1: Threw, I just threw him the bubble. Um, yeah, Alman Ross St. Brown had 90 or more yards in the last four games. Uh, last year, 115 targets, he turned into 912 yards. Like, I this is not a superstar player, um, but this is a player that is a superstar for a bad team that is a really good complementary piece once this team becomes good. And I, you know, we we've gassed up Detroit, I think some of it is funny and some of it's real. Um, you know, I I think when Jamison Williams and DJ Chark do their thing this year with with Hawkinson, St Brown's probably not a 900 yard receiver, but he's a, a guy you can pick up yard you know pick up plays uh, on third down for Jared Goff. So um, that was a positive last year, and that is why, by the way, you that is that's the value of somebody like Dan Campbell. That's the value of somebody like Jared Goff, which is you know that team's not going to be very good, right? And you can tank all you want, and they really did tank. They got the second overall pick, so good for them but you need to have a competence level enough to find out that you have players that are good like that. Right. And, and that was always, I always thought that that was the value of Alex Smith to Kansas city, even though he was never the true answer. I always thought that was the value. Um, you know, that's the, va- that's the value of the Vikings see in Kirk Cousins, for example, even though they're not very good. Um, you know, so on and so forth like that. That's the value you find out about some of these players who, uh, end up being pretty good.
0: The Detroit lines Win totals at 6.5, over minus 115, under is minus 105. A positive thing about the Detroit Lions. Not, It's not that they pulled the greatest tank of all time. It, has a team ever gotten the number overall two overall pick and people thought that positively of them? I'm not sure. Um, here is the positive thing. And if you needed a little extra reason to be a believer in restoring the roar, this is it. Go on instagram and check out jared goff's instagram jared goff uh when he was in la he's number one overall pick he went to the super bowl he was making a lot of money like you would expect him to date a model and he did he did not only did she follow him kristen harper is her name not only did she follow him to detroit in fact in her instagram bio it says la and detroit wow so okay so we should have seen this coming i mean that this guy has some, you know, clearly Jared Goff isn't that big of a doofus off the football field as, as the LA Rams maybe thought he was. She goes to Detroit with him. They just got engaged. Um, you can go check out all the evidence for yourself. But this has me incredibly positive on the whole thing. The guy overcame moving to Detroit and actually locked it up. Jared Goff's going to have an incredible season this year. The Detroit Lions are going over six and a half wins. That is my positivity on the Detroit Lions. That's analytics is what
1: that is. It's analytics. The
0: Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, who I thought were going to win the NBA championship, but somehow managed uh, not to. Um, The the Minnesota Vikings, your positive thing, Eric. Uh, This is going from how the hell are you going to pick which positive thing to how the hell are you going to pick a positive thing?
1: Brian O'Neal looks like Buzz Lightyear. He also has just given up only six sacks his whole career just one last year. Like this team, you know, they they have not done a very good job, you know, building the team. You know, the, the end of the Spielman era was terrible. Uh, you know, the, the Cousins era has been an unmitigated disaster. Um, but there are bright spots. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is one of the best players in the entire league. Um, you know they're hanging on to Harrison Smith, who's a Hall of Fame caliber player. Adam Thielen's a probably Ring of Honor player. I, I don't think Brian O'Neill gets enough attention for how well he's played um, since coming over in 2020, 2018. Um, I He's a building block, and I know he got the contract, so certainly the Vikings value him. Uh, but he's a good right tackle, uh, and and that's uh, that's great. Um, and, and he's he's and he also looks like Buzz Lightyear as people are finding out.
0: That's a very good one. Um, here's the positive thing, uh, that might, <laughs> that could be a negative thing in like a year, but the positive thing about the Minnesota Vikings, and this is not going to be an underrated thing because I don't know that there is that underrated of a thing that's positive about the Minnesota Vikings, to be perfectly honest. But the, the positive thing about the Minnesota Vikings is that, look, they have a top five player at a premium position in the NFL and that's Justin Jefferson (laughs) and the positive thing is that unlike some of the other teams that have had these great receivers so and I don't think any of them are quite at Justin Jefferson's level but Tennessee Titans Washington Commanders Seattle Seahawks you know what those guys are doing with those receivers pissing them down their leg and at least the Vikings aren't doing that yet so that is a super positive thing
1: yeah I think Justin think...
0: Jefferson lights the league on fire this year. Yeah. On fire. I, that I think... offense has been such a, you know, run, 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 run catastrophe. I think it opens up just a little bit. And, you know, they're going to want Kirk Cousins to throw the ball to kind of rationalize what he's doing or, you know, move on from him. And, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, that results in Justin Jefferson going nuts.
1: Do you think... I agree. And I think, you know, the, the thing with Diggs, Stefan Diggs and why they traded him was because, you know, to, to try to justify the Kirk Cousins deal in year two, they became a run first offense mm-hmm. that, you know, sort of like, you know, only gave Kirk the, the, the easy stuff. And, you know, they won 10 games because they, they had an easy schedule. And, and so like everybody kind of got off their back for a little bit, but then Stefan Diggs that year went from 149 targets in 2018 to 94, and that yeah. certainly upset him, and and you know that that's why he pushed for a trade um, to to Buffalo. Now Justin? with just with Justin Jefferson, that has been they have they have tried their best to avoid such a fate. So Jefferson last you know as a rookie had 125 targets. He didn't start until the second, third week of the season. This past season he had 170 uh, 67 targets. So they're certainly giving Jefferson the ball. I guess my issue is going to be if they still can't win. Right, like if they can't win anything, and you know, like people are making comparisons because it's natural, right? Like Stafford and Cousins are kind of similar, like as far as like prior to last year, Stafford had never won anything, and you know he's not an elite quarterback; he's a good quarterback, much like Kirk is. And you know, everybody's sort of making the comparison with Jefferson and Cup, and I think Jefferson is a more talented player than Cup. I think the problem though is like you're not seeing Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson like at the gym at six a.m. You're not seeing. Like, there is very clearly, like, you know, a, like, I don't think there's a rift, but like, certainly Jefferson is not enamored with Minnesota or enamored with Kirk Cousins. So, I I think that, I I wonder what Minnesota has to do, shy of winning a division and and being good, to keep Jefferson from being one of these, like, all of these receivers after year three, what do they want? A trade to a a, a contender, right? More money. Or more money, but, like, it's not like Minnesota has that much money. Like, if you look at um, the Vikings, you know, when you look at next year, like, they don't have a ton of effective cap space. Like, and and Jefferson, is good, given wide receiver contracts, he's going to be worth the moon, right? And so there's this big, like, disconnect between wanting to win, which means building a roster, and wanting to keep your very best player who's worth that money. Like, I'm not saying they're going to trade him. I'm saying, like, I would not be surprised in the slightest. If at this time next year he's on a different team.
0: And that would be hilarious because that would mean the Vikings have basically squandered Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs. Uh, and Randy Boss.
1: Let's not be wrong. Like they traded Boss to the Raiders too.
0: Would you rather have. That's insane. Would you rather have Justin Jefferson or Stephon Diggs?
1: Jefferson, uh, Jefferson's or, better. Yeah,
0: I tend to agree. As yeah, they good they, as they got. Diggs I mean,
1: is. they he's graded higher in
0: each of the last two seasons has a 90 plus pff grade been a top five grade receiver in each of his first two seasons uh stefan diggs was uh, number four in the nfl last year but slipped a little bit uh, sorry two years ago but slipped a little bit last year um i tend to agree with you all right it is time brett give me a positive thing about the green bay packers
1: well, Adrian Amos, you know when I played, it was Leroy. They called him. I they, they wanted he wanted to be called Leroy Butler, but I called him Leroy Butler. Uh, Hall of Famer, the 2022 draft class. He had a safety that good, but uh, this current Packers team, they got a- this Adrian a- a- Amos. Amos, uh, he's the second most valuable safety in the league behind Justin Simmons. Which I think that's like a fake news. Anyway, I think he's first. Um, but just but Adrian Amos is second most valuable safety in the NFL since joining the Packers in 2019.
0: That was well done. Um, here's the here's the positive thing about the Packers, and it's hard to find something that's kind of underrated. But here's what I'll do: I'm going to kind of cheat here a little bit. The Packers were a very 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 good team last year without one of their best players, I would argue their third best player and third most valuable player in Jair Alexander. And he comes back and you are able to pair him with what could be one of the very best, by the way, Jair Alexander in 2020, 90.7 PFF grade, highest among all corners. You're pairing him with what could be the best defensive front uh, out there with Rashawn Gary, who is fifth highest grade edge defender. You obviously have Uh, Preston Smith on the other side, who I think maybe a little underrated last year, 82 PFF grade. And then, of course, Kenny Clark on the interior. Um, Look, there's some really good defensive lines out there um, and front sevens and all that. But this defense, um, you know, I don't want to use the word special, but there's a lot of reasons to believe that it has an opportunity to be very, very good this year. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons, obviously, you're getting a guy back who should make a very, very big difference in addition to the guy you mentioned in adrian amos um all righty we are on to the chicago bears your positive thing about the bears
1: okay i actually got this tip from a friend who is a Packers fan a very sharp wow. person uh worked in the league for a little bit um to look out for luke getsy their offensive coordinator um you know he was the packers quarterback uh at, at quarterbacks coach um, passing game coordinator 19 through 21, like right around when Roger started to turn his career around. Um, prior to that, he was with the team as a wide receivers coach when the wide receivers were pretty good. Uh, he went to Mississippi State and, and was gave out some production there. So, look, there's not a lot to like in Chicago, but I think, like, Luke Getzey could be somebody who, you know, actually gets something. I mean, that has to be the bet that the Bears are making, right? Like, there, there's no other, like, hey, look, look at us. We're doing the best we can, TM, for... Uh, you know, uh, for Justin Fields. So it has to be that that they believe that they can outcoach and and out-scheme people because otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: No kidding. This is a bleak, a very, very bleak one to look at. Um, So here's the thing. I think the easy answer, positive thing about the Chicago Bears is Darnell Mooney and, you know, everyone's seen that route where he, You know, puts a guy on his butt and all that. He's a great route runner. He's fast. He can get down the football field. Um, The positive thing about the Bears is they're going to have a franchise quarterback going into next year. It's either going to be Justin Fields because Justin Fields is going to overcome the worst roster in the NFL. And we're going to go, oh, my God. Or they're going to be drafting one at pick 1-1 or 1-2. One three next year and that's a positive thing i will be rooting very very hard for justin fields to make it happen i think if there is a guy that will overcome the garbage on the football field with him it's a guy that had to deal with garbage in the draft uh, process last year um, and it's a guy that has legs that can You know managed to to make some moves we just published that article on uh perfectly covered plays i would expect many teams to have perfectly covered plays against the chicago bears and you know the best thing to do there is to be able to scramble with football now as long as he doesn't take too many sacks um that that will be an issue but if he can figure out a way to just be hyper aware of those things because of how bad the rest of the team is I think it's a chance. But the positive thing here is that you're going to find out one way or another. Because if this dude is even average next year, and he had the 29th best PFF grade uh, last year, 64.2, there's some badness there. But that was, of course, you know, with some things on the coaching staff that we believe were pretty inferior. Um, if he's even average this year, the dude deserves a medal of honor. Um, okay, let's. we've got to move kind of quickly here, because we've got 10 minutes. So we're going to do the mm-hmm. uh nfc south and the good news is that the nfc south i think we should be able is, to move through horrible. fairly quickly here um before we do reminder promo code forecast f-o-r-e-c-a-s-t gets you 25 percent off at pff.com the article i just mentioned about perfectly covered plays you can go read that it's a super sick article lots of really good data viz in there and some really interesting stuff that whether you're a better or a fantasy player or just nfl fan you will probably want to check out of course all of eric's great content he's been talking about the best and worst uh, offensive and defensive coordinators, actually just the best, I guess, which is still getting people hot and bothered, is also on pff.com. So go check it out. Promo code forecast, F-R-E-C-A-S-T. There's some good stuff coming from you over the next couple of weeks as well. So you'll want to check that out. Let's go to Atlanta first.
1: Yeah, AJ Terrell, uh, fifth last year in war among corners, 0.57, which is a lot given... Falcons like fundamentally won four teams last year. So uh <laughs> that's yeah the, uh pretty good. Pretty good draft pick for the the last first round pick of the Thomas Dimitroff era.
0: I mean, this was <laughs> this was the thing, right? Like uh it's tough for, for AJ Terrell's by far the most positive thing, um, about the Atlanta Falcons. I guess I could say the same thing about the Falcons that I will say that I said about the Chicago Bears. Um you know, that's definitely something that can be true. But here's the thing that I'm actually going to throw out there. And that's that Kyle Pitts was a top five graded tight end last year. When look, everyone believed he was going to be awesome, but let's think about Atlanta last year. They have a quarterback that takes a pretty decent step back in Matt Ryan. It turns out that offensive system may be not so wonderful. Uh Calvin, the Calvin Ridley thing happens, but Calvin Ridley was hurt before that anyway, so it was, you know. Kyle Pitts by himself out there. And he still had an 80-plus PFF grade, top five. You're saying grade.
1: Calvin Ridley went bust?
0: I did not say that.
1: No.
0: I said he was injured. Uh, and then had an issue uh, with uh, betting on parlays. Poor guy. Um, but he remember, he was injured before that. So, like, it, yeah, Kyle yeah, Pitts, yeah. you know, was dealing with being, um, you know, the only guy out there. And there's a lot of... You know, a lot of worry about, oh, man, you draft a tight end high. Like, how's it going to work out? Like pits is the real deal. So, um, I think he didn't have a drop until week 12 or something like that. So, look, there are a couple of young players that you should be really positive about if you're in Atlanta. And, God willing, you get a quarterback after this year and you're able to keep both of those guys around. Mm -hmm. The Carolina Panthers. Oh, I'm guessing this is something to do with Matt Rule, right?
1: Oh, yeah, he's great. Brian Burns is fantastic. Uh 51 pressures, 57 pressures last year's also Frankie Luvo on non perfectly blocked runs was the most efficient linebacker in football last year. And did get a contract from that team. So there are good players on that defense. It's not, it, it's, uh, it, it's few and far between, but there are some good players on the defense.
0: <sighs> Man, Th- this well, is a challenge. I mean, this is, this is just, I, I looked at the, the fact that we were going to do these two, uh, Divisions. So I was like, man, really got these two divisions out. are horrible.
1: Other really than that, got Detroit. the work
0: cut out for us here. Um, I'll say what the positive is not the positive ain't Sam Darnold. Um, I think there's a couple of things to be excited about, and one of them is the, um, you know, the young, uh, kind of secondary that they're sort of building there with Jeremy Chin, and you've got JC Horn coming back, and that was the thing that I went with because I really. You know, the wide receivers, they've got some talent there with D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall Jr., even though Terrace Marshall Jr. was not good last year. But I'm going to steer away from the offense because of the whole Sam Darnold thing. And, um, you know, be excited about at least the fact that they've got some coverage players back there that you hope have a have a nice future and will be around when they finally get a get a worthwhile quarterback. Maybe, maybe they end up with Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure that makes me feel that much better, but that'd be really funny if, um, Panthers ended up with Darnold and Mayfield on the same team. That would yeah. be that would be incredible,
1: actually. That, I, Mayfield oh. there would, would would really hurt this tank job, I think. It would make it like Oh really? It would provide hope that doesn't need to exist. Um all right, New Orleans, Demario Davis has has earned 0.3 war or more the last five years. Uh he's been, I think, if you think about like the top 15 defenders in the NFL over the last five years. DeMario Davis is easily in that group. And I don't know if everybody believes he is.
0: DeMario Davis is freaking awesome. There's no doubt about that. Um, okay, so here's uh, here's my positive thing about the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and it is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston got injured last year. And so we've forgotten kind of about him. But Jameis Winston last year, and granted, it was only in limited sample size, destroyed the Blitz, absolutely destroyed the Blitz, 108 passer rating against the Blitz. In all of his prior seasons, he had never eclipsed the NFL average. Um, He had a a big-time throw percentage of 7% against the Blitz the prior year and a a turnover-worthy play percentage of under 4%. Both of those were were great numbers for him, the big-time throw percentage well above the league average, turnover the play percentage about the league average. And most importantly, perhaps, was that his interception percentage uh, for once was actually uh, lower than you would expect. So in a situation where I think we're expecting him to be under pressure and maybe not perform, he was under pressure and he did perform. And I think he's going to be really good this year. And I think the Saints should feel pretty positively about what they've got going on uh with him there especially adding chris alabe and and getting michael thomas back so um i don't know what his comeback player of the year odds are i'm actually going to check on that right now that's an interesting one i know we talked about comeback player of the year um look it up here uh player futures um i know we talked about this and then we had a few that we we brought up but um but i can't remember what uh what his were? Let's take a look here.
1: I think it was like fifty to one or something, right? I don't know. Yeah, not, I want to not fifty. He's fifty to one to win MVP. Um,
0: Comeback Player of the Year. So Derek Henry is three to one. James Winston is five plus five fifty. So um, yeah, he's second favorite. I like his chances better than Derek Henry, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, so here's something we did with linebacker data that I think is great because I think people have, people believe that we at PFF are a monolith and and you know we. You know, I, I think that the, the relentless pursuit of the truth is, like, kind of our cornerstone. And one of the things, Devin White never graded well for us, um, but we try to find ways, you know, to, to find value here. I think the the really interesting thing is both Levante David, so Levante David um, on play action bites about the last two years, bit about a third of a yard less than average, uh, the average linebacker. Oh, wow. That's sick. And Devin White has bitten... Uh, basically uh, collectively about two thirds of a yard less than the average linebacker uh, on play action. So you think about like why that defense is great. They do play a lot of men in the box. They, they devote a lot of resources up front to stopping the run, but their linebackers don't bite on play action. And so I think that that's a really cool like way, you know, we, we think about, Oh, you know, Zach Cunningham. Oh, he's in the box. He's, you know, he bites like hell on play action. So this defense is sucked. This team com- de- devoted a lot to stopping the run, but their linebackers were extremely disciplined, and that's why the defense has been pretty good and you know, Super Bowl caliber
0: the last two years. Um, th- that's very cool, by the way. Um, and I think it's one of the things that's awesome about that is it adds more clarity around a guy that, you know, certainly it's acknowledging the fact that there are areas of our grading system that we can continue to improve on. And, um, you know, that that one of those is certainly thinking through, you know, um, uh, the nuance within, you know, what is happening kind of in between parts of the play that we're that we're charting Um, and, uh, you know, that we can start to pull apart some of that information and learn, you know, what's valuable and what's happening that, you know, simply can't do at scale uh, with human eye. All right. Here's my positive thing about the um, about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it is a, a, a Tom Brady stat, but I'm going to bring it back because I think it's, it's worth talking about. Tom Brady uh, in the past two seasons has an average depth of target of 9.8 and then 8.2. Now, 8.2 last year, there were some injuries to the, to the receiving core. So I think that's one of the reasons it was a little bit lower. But his average time to throw has been 2.42 and 2.34, um, which has either been one or two in terms of quickest in the, in the NFL. He has also managed 45 and then 37 completions, 20-plus yards downfield. For for reference there, in 2017, he had 43 um, and has not eclipsed 37 in any of the other six seasons um, prior to that. So um, Tom Brady is like, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but like the dude is on a different level, and he seems to be only getting better. So the, the positive thing is that you have the best quarterback in the NFL once again. You're welcome, Tampa Bay. That, that was the only – I mean, look, there were other underrated things you could talk about, but why not just go with the GOAT? And, um, you know, it would be interesting to see, I think, this year, talking about some of those injuries. So, no, Antonio Brown and then Chris Godwin will be out for a decent portion of the – you know, the first part of the season. So, it would be interesting to see who he kind of brings up and, and um, you know, starts throwing the ball without Gronk there. I'm assuming Mike Evans gets a pretty big, you know, uh, load of targets. As you'd expect, but there's gonna be someone, you know, some player in the slot or something like that that's gonna come out and and be his guy. Um, maybe it's maybe it's Leonard Fournette if he loses a little weight. <laughs> uh, all right, that is our podcast. Uh, we will be back with you on Sunday. Thank you all for listening, watching, whatever it is that you do. We love you. Be well. Stay cool. Peace.